Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. Gifts of all sizes build the community-funded journalism on KUOW. Right now, during our fall membership campaign, please support the independent and trusted news you need with an important monthly gift. Just go to KUOW.org slash donate, and thanks. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Thursday. This is Seattle Now. Two local playwrights are staging the West Coast premiere of a play about... Well, they wouldn't really tell me what it was about, except that it involves a very personal story between two characters living in the Palestine-Israel conflict. Our conversation in a minute, but first, let's get you caught up. The city is launching a pilot program to respond to behavioral health crises starting in downtown Seattle. The Community Assisted Response and Engagement Dual Dispatch Program will have six staff members responding to low-level calls in the area between 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. It's one of several behavioral health response pilots the city's implemented, including the 988 Crisis Line, a mental health alternative to 911, as well as small teams on the Seattle Police and Fire Departments. Cyclists, keep an eye out for new pavement on the Burke-Gilman Trail. The city could start paving over dangerous train tracks in Ballard as soon as today. Seattle City Council unanimously approved the plan earlier this week. Councilmember Dan Strauss said the work is urgent to beat the cold weather. Of course, the train tracks are just one part of the Burke-Gilman so-called missing link, a treacherous mile or so with no protected bike paths for cyclists. And Seattle Public Library wants your opinion as it develops its next 10-year plan. The library system launched an online survey yesterday. They want to know how you use the library, whether you feel safe and welcomed, whether you can get materials in a timely manner, all kinds of important stuff. Chief Librarian Tom Fay says coming out of the pandemic, libraries must be clear about communities' needs related to information services and public spaces. We'll include a link in the show notes if you want to participate. Here's what we can tell you about this play. Two people meet in an auto body repair shop in a town in Israel. One of them is Palestinian. The other is Israeli. That's the premise of this play called The Return, and it's being staged here in Seattle starting tonight until November 19th at Dunya Productions Theater at Cherry Street Village on Capitol Hill. This play will run during a particularly painful time for those with ties to Israel and Palestine. I sat down to talk with the playwrights about it. Hannah Eady and Ed Mast are the writing duo behind The Return. Really appreciate both of you taking the time. Thank you. Very Very glad to be here. So, Hannah, you're Palestinian. You live in the Seattle area, but you grew up an Israeli citizen. How are you holding up right now? Hmm. Well, in many ways, I'm more worried about my family than myself (laughs) and friends, of course. My son, actually, who lives there Mm. and and works there and married with family, couldn't take it after the first week and uh, decided to come home. Wow. So uh, it wasn't that easy until... Biden decided to go and visit, and all of a sudden the skies were safe 
for Biden. So he found a flight, that's my son, and uh, arrived here uh, last Friday. That in itself is a story. Are you still in contact with people overseas right now? Yes. My family, brothers, sisters, my mom still live up north, close to the Lebanese border. Mm. Rockets can easily be reached, reaching the village and or other villages around, but they decided to stay home. They don't want to leave. This is not the first time. They kind of got used to it. Every few years, there's some, if it's not a war on all fronts, at least uh, rockets uh, from Lebanon. Incredibly tense, horrible situation right now, all around. I do want to talk about the play. Um, Without giving too much away, what can audiences expect, and Ed, you can take this if you want, when they go to see The Return? The Return is a two-person play. We're performing in a very intimate setting. It's not a documentary play. There's no bulldozers or checkpoints or tanks in it. It's deliberately about what is underneath the headlines rather than what happens when the bombs drop and everybody pays attention. So it's going to be a very personal story of what happens daily and what really lies behind the the headlines and the the crisis now and the repeated crisis so that was one reason we chose to move ahead i wouldn't say that we seriously considered canceling but we did our due diligence uh, and chatted about Shall we move ahead with this play right now? And the answer was yes. Well, I think the plays will always be timely, war or without war. If the Palestinian issue is not resolved, it will always be timely. Because this is not about a war. Uh, The conflict, I hate to use that word, but the issue, the Palestinian problem, did not start two weeks ago. So it it actually premiered in 2014 when bombs were falling on Gaza in 2014. Yeah, this is not the first time you staged this play. Yeah, in in Hebrew, in Haifa, uh, in front of a mixed audience, Israelis and Palestinians. What was the reaction? Actually, it was filled. The theater was filled. This was uh, an Arabic theater company. Uh, for the first time, Israeli Jews would come and attend to see a play because it was in Hebrew. Mm. Um, and the reaction was amazing. I mean, people just said, yes, that's us right there. Especially the Palestinian would say, this is us in the big prison. Mm. The reaction was good to the point where actually the Israeli minister of culture, three after three shows, not because of this play, but there was another play in that theater company, decided to close the theater Mm. and cancel the show. Uh, They did not want their Israeli audience to be exposed to to a truth. Because sometimes, you know, a strong theater is the one that deals with the truth on stage, you know, a few meters away from from the audience. Mm. And if it makes your stomach turn, then it's a good play. <laughs> and for that reason, they closed the theater. 
you said you really never seriously considered not performing this play right now. But what was the conversation like? How did you consider the due diligence and in this very intense moment? Well, I, I think because of what the play is about. It, and we're not going to reveal that. We're not going to reveal that. Yeah, you're that. No, okay. we're yeah. we, No, we're not. <laughs> we know what's not about. Yeah. What the play is not about is, you know, war and right. bombing and, and, you know, it's a, it's a universal theme that applies to to anybody. So just to give you another secret about the play is that the cast, you know, the, the Palestinian man is, is, a, is a black Palestinian because we really thought that the play and the detail of the play would apply to any oppressed group of people. And I think for that reason, we decided to go on with the play even if uh, the war stops tomorrow, it, it's okay. You know, we, that's not why we did the play. Although we have a reputation, I have a reputation of every time I do a play, a war breaks out. But I think it's... <laughs> that is grim humor, huh? I, I, I think it's the <laughs> other way around. I, if I had to wait for a break oh. to, to do a play where there's no war, I would be waiting for a long time. There is always war. And I remember, actually, I was a graduate student at the UW here in 1991 as bombs were falling on Baghdad during the first Gulf War. We opened at the, what used to be called the Glenn Hughes Theater, the, the red brick building on, uh, on the Ave. And I remember, you know, the head of the department came and said, you sure you want to go ahead? I said, yes. And, of course, it was the best show in town, and <laughs> it was it was a uh, a political satire was a comedy, mm. so everybody came to to laugh at the situation. You don't shy away from difficult subjects, it sounds like, for your career no. as a playwright. Why do you choose that path? I think the first play I did when I was just still in the village with no electricity, no running water, the only form of entertainment was was to put on a play at the village square where people just watch it from their roofs and balconies and was called Art and Politics in Arabic, criticizing the local council, the local government of the, of, the, of the village. And the impact on my people in the village after that play was so huge to me because I was still young and no TV. Obviously, I wasn't influenced by anything. It was just, you know, a creativity that, that came to me, encouraged by some of the teachers at the school. I think that stayed with me for a long time. So Art and Politics, the title, it was a political satire. It has music in it. You know, I gathered a few people from the village. One was, you know, a shepherd who played the flute for his goats. He <laughs> came and he played. And one guy... Uh, with a guitar. He wanted to play guitar, I remember, and a drummer. We have, everybody's a drummer in the village. And I think that stays with me to a play that has sharp edges, that mm. has something to awaken the conscious of people, to change their attitude towards things. And uh, it's, I think it's, I don't know, it's a disease. It's just stayed with <laughs> me and I can't get rid of it. <laughs> and art can really transpire politics and deliver messages in ways that politicians and other people can't. 
Do you think that this play can do that? Do you think art has a role? Absolutely, art has a role. Sometimes you can deliver a message uh, in a new way. What you can always do is give a different way of seeing, a different angle of approach, Mm. the opportunity to step outside the argument. Uh, I was very struck once at a conference about Palestine and Israel where all day long there were a terrific bunch of speakers, and at the end of the first day, we did a very simple little play about uh, Gaza as it happened, uh, based on a diary of a woman who underwent the Operation Castellet in 2008 and nine. And a number of people at the end of the day came up to me and said, wow, after this whole day when I saw your play, I really understood. And I frankly thought, okay, wait, there were a lot of terrific speakers saying a lot of great stuff uh, all day long. And so I take that to mean it wasn't that the play told them something that they hadn't heard. It gave them the opportunity to fire up different parts of their perception and their hearts so that the information and the analysis they'd gotten was able to settle in. Art is sneaky that way. It is sneaky. <laughs> it's sneaky. Yeah. And straightforward. Give give your give your debater a break and join us for kind of a personal interaction. You know, I'm I don't know what this play is about because you were very clear you didn't want to reveal too much, but I am getting the sense that there are human through lines that you focus on that again, when we talk about sneaky art, right? Allowing people in one way to see themselves in your work is a way to get them to release that debater in their brain, maybe. Sometimes what people need is facts. Sometimes people need to know, no, that's a, that's a lie. This is the truth, etc. But often what people need is some personal relationship mm. with somebody that they trust a little bit. Uh, And even if you say, no, this is the case, and somebody doesn't agree in that moment, they still might go away and look at the news with a slightly different set of eyes. And that, that really is how change happens. You know, and this is for both of you, what messages do you hope people will receive after watching The Return? Well, as Hannah has said, the play... Uh, is about what underlies uh, and what's been going on for 75 years. Uh, It's largely about the Palestinian experience. And so to understand that it's not just about bullets and bombs, Mm -hmm. it's about much more pervasive and profound ongoing things than that. And so for them to get kind of a, for the audience to get a visceral experience of what that's like would be really valuable. It's also, you know, it might be all news to a non-Palestinian audience, Mm. but actually from our experience doing the play in other places, including D.C. and Boston before COVID, um, we were surprised to find Palestinians because, because we're so many different 
groups of Palestinians. There's the 1948 Palestinians within the state of Israel. There's Palestinians in Gaza. There's Palestinians in the West Bank. Yeah. There are Palestinians in South Lebanon in camps. There are Palestinians in Jordan in camps. And there's the Palestinians who are across the planet scattered all over, including most of my family, Yeah. Uh, some in Mexico. <laughs> they were surprised to see some of the details and the most personal story in the play because they weren't from uh, a specific Palestinian group, uh-huh. which is the one living inside Israel, citizens of the state of Israel, Palestinians, Israel, which is almost you know, two million people. That's also specific to, to that group. It, I guess, educates the Americans and everybody else that yeah. it's so specific to that group, so it's so political. I mean, that's how my how I feel. Yes, it's it's outside the war, but it's ongoing for a long time. The play also has an Israeli Jewish character mm. in it. Half the cast is that, and contains challenges, of course, for that character as well even in stepping into the room. And I just must say, I love this play. I worked very hard on it along with Hannah. We both put a lot of ourselves into it. And I can hardly bear to watch it. Really? It's too, it's too disturbing. It's For me, me personally, I'm one of the playwrights, of course, but it's one of those things that I can hardly bear to watch, though I cannot bear to turn away from it because it is challenging to me uh, frankly, as a white person, uh, because I'm sort of the Israeli mm. in our society in yeah. relation to most people of color here. So it contains very deep, disturbing challenges. Uh, uh, I don't feel demonized by it. I feel invited to examine very difficult stuff. Also a really important function of art, right? Yes, Because of the escalated conflict in this moment, are you anticipating a different response to this play than maybe you have gotten in the past? There could be people hearing this interview who think it's inappropriate to stage a play like this in this moment, not knowing much more about the play other than what we've talked about. What would you say to people who think that? I wish there was a play every day. Hmm. I think People might be upset now because of the emotion, you know, of, of the moment. Uh, actually, we are prepared to take that in. We decided that we would hold post-play discussions after the play to to listen to people, to let them express their feeling, to ask the question, and and that's just to give them, you know, the platform to do so, uh, just in case the play doesn't do its job. <laughs> mm, brilliant. That's a yeah. brilliant idea. Yeah. Have you done that yet? We've done it with other plays. You have. Well, I, so it's oh, the yeah. usual. It's yeah. the usual. It's brave and brilliant, yeah. I think, yeah. at the same time right now. I would say there's never a time when there's not high tension about this. It yeah. doesn't always show. But if you're in the business, as each of us and both of us are, along with a lot of other people, of stepping into that controversy, then you discover, ooh, ooh, it's always, it's always fraught. And there can always be trouble and there can always be backlash. I think people are uh at a very high emotional level of course i just found out this morning that uh i lost another friend 
in mm. Gaza, kindergarten teacher, bombed in his car with a couple of neighborhood kids. Just found that out this morning. So I've got kind of a lump in my throat. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are bringing lumps in their throats and heartbreak. And uh, I think part of our agreement in doing theater is say, you go ahead and bring that lump in your throat and your heartbreak. That's our business is to create a space for that. Our business is to create a space where you can uh, let that out, feel that, let it, let it be. That's our job to make that, that kind of a space for you. So, so come ahead. So I think we're going to encounter a lot of high emotions and, and that's all to the good because we're going to carry them. We're going to hold them and explore them. I really appreciate you two taking the time to sit down and talk with me about your play, The Return. And Han, thank you so much for for sharing. And I hope your family sees peace. Thank you. Ed Mast, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Ed Mast and Hannah Eady are the writing team behind The Return. The play opens today and runs until November 19th. You can find more information in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. You heard us. This show is only possible with your support. Click those show notes to help make it happen. And thanks. Today's episode was produced by Matt Martin. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, Vaughn Jones, and Lucy Suchek. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.